Sorry. Hi, everyone. My name is Stu Armstrong. I'm part of the team here at Summer Madness, and I'm literally just here to say, this is Emma Thompson from 24-7. Yay. Guys, thank you for coming. Welcome to part two of the Holy Habit series. Uh, Emma's amazing. You're going to love this. Sorry, Emma. Hello. Has everyone got paper? Anyone not got any paper? That's probably the easiest thing to know. I'm going to take this out of here because it feels a bit like a Britney song if I'm going to stand there and do that. Well, welcome. Yes, uh, hopefully... Oh, if you're just coming in, if you wouldn't mind coming around the front and grabbing a piece of paper, a pen, and a little card um, and taking a wee seat. If you've got pens yourself, crack on, but take one of each of those. Shuffle around. Maybe give it... Maybe a second here whilst people take a seat. Hopefully you are here for prayer. If you're not here for prayer, here's your time to exit and segue to the seminar you want to. If you're here for prayer, very welcome. Uh, my name is Emma Thompson. I'm part of the 24-7 Prayer Ireland team with a kind of specific focus on prayer spaces in schools. So what I do often is help churches and youth organizations create spaces of prayer in school life for young people, children, and people. So it's a great job. So prayer. Prayer is a word. Does everyone have feel like they hear the word prayer often in their life? Yeah, it's a prayer that we're pretty over-familiar with, <laughs> I think, um, for many of us. But it's a fundamental part of life with Jesus. Yeah, would we agree? Prayer is important. It's, it's part of the DNA. Sorry, guys, if you're just arriving and you want to get a piece of paper and a, a couple of pieces of paper and a pen and then and take a wee seat to that. Uh, it's a fundamental part of life with Jesus, but it can often feel unnatural. Anyone ever felt like prayer felt unnatural? Yeah, you can just put your hands in the air. Anyone ever found prayer hard? A bit difficult? Yeah? Yeah? John Wesley, who is a bit of a legend, once said that prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. It's where, like, the party is. It's where, like, that lip-sync battle, that's where prayer is. It's, that, uh, it's where the action is. But unfortunately, it doesn't always feel like it. So, if it doesn't always feel like it, do we understand what the invitation to prayer really is? And if we do understand what the invitation to prayer is, what do we do with that? How do we live a life of prayer that is where the action is? So we're going to start here. You guys have to get up and get moving in a second. We're going to start with thinking about our relationship to prayer. How do we feel about prayer? A guy called Stratton Coleman, who wrote a book called Beholding, really recommend it, wrote this. He said, our relationship, our prayer relationship with God is essential. How we hold this space holds how all other spaces will hold, because prayer matters. So your prayer relationship today with God is essential in how every other part of your life will work. But we've just said it can be boring, hard, difficult. So we need to do something about that. So on the floor, I need you to get up in a minute, come around. I've got a load of pictures. And I want you to have a time, walk around, find a picture that you think best represents your relationship to prayer. Um, some of you will know straight away. Others of you will be like, I'm not really sure I get the assignment. So you can have a chat with me if, that, if that's helpful. But get up, come and have a little look. I want you to pick one, and then I want you to talk with the people around you about what your relationship to prayer is like through that picture. So we'll give you a few minutes. Grab a wee picture. So we're just 
picking a picture to represent our relationship to prayer. If someone else has got yours, you can just join in with them in a conversation. So. So guys, if you're just coming in, we are picking up a picture on the floor that represents our uh, relationship to prayer, how we feel about prayer. So you're going to pick a picture and then you're going to go talk with those next to you about what that picture is. So get get discussing, is what I'm saying. Get chit-chatting. So you just spend a couple of minutes there chatting with your friends or the people next to you about why you chose that picture. And then I'm just going to get some feedback from you guys. All right, guys, you've got a couple of minutes of discussion, and then I'm going to ask you brave people to tell me your thoughts. Right, okay, now I would really love to hear your thoughts. Um, so we already started by saying that prayer can be unnatural, can feel hard or boring. So I'd really, this isn't like me judging you and saying, what do you think about prayer, tell me your picture. I just want to hear where you're at. So is anyone happy to share why they picked their picture and what they picked? Yeah. Wow, that's good, yeah, that's good. Anyone relate? Yeah, so we all can relate to a lot of those different places of prayer. They're like, we're shouting out, lots of different blocks, feeling like it's not in a good place, then a happy place. There's, prayer is complex. Our relationship to prayer is complex, but it doesn't always feel like it's where the action is. And I wonder with some of this stuff, being like it's a checkbox, feeling like we're shouting out to God, if we fully understood the invitation, do we fully understand the invitation of what prayer is? And should be. So to unpack that a little bit, we're going to do a wee bit of a whistle-stop tour of the uh, story of God, if you'd like to just join me. So God is love. He exists in love. It's him, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. They're all hanging out. Humans aren't even here. The world doesn't even exist. Just love. One big mess. It's like, yes, we love each other. Then they think, God thinks, I just really want to love something else. (laughs) And he makes people. He makes us. He's like, I'm going to love these guys. Because love is who I am, makes people, and we kind of mess it up a little bit, and we kind of slam the door in God's face, kind of give them the metaphorical two fingers sometimes, like, we do a bad job. So, who steps in? Jesus! Jesus, God's ultimate plan for the world. Steps in, he lives a life, does a whole bunch of miracles proclaims a whole new world that people are really confused about, but it's good. And then he dies, yeah? And what does he die for? Our sins, the bad stuff in the world. We all know that, right? Yeah? Jesus died for our sins, which is 100% true. But that isn't where the story ends. Because ultimately, Jesus died to reconcile us to God. So, we get the reference. Reconciliation is the goal, yeah? And what does reconciliation mean? We have a really great station in our prayer box, come to prayer spaces, called Reconciliation Zips. And what that does is take a zip, you unzip it, and it flops apart. 
when you zip it back together, those two sides come back together. And they don't just come close. They literally come together. There's intimacy. So reconciliation, which is the point of the gospel, the point of the incarnation is about reconciliation through forgiveness of sins. It's to reconcile us, to be close to God. God, who is love, who's existing in this space of love, wants to be in a loving, intimate relationship with us. Like, that's close. Think about somebody you love right now. A friendship. Are you friends from a distance? Your friends in, in proximity. Your friends when you're close to them. John 15, verse 15. I'm going to take this out here. says... I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Because everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. If we stop at forgiveness, sometimes our prayers can be a bit transactional. Who said about the to-do list? If it becomes like Jesus died for your sins to get you into heaven. Sometimes our prayers can be like, I need to just like, God, can you do something? This world is overwhelming. You came to change the world. Do something about it. Sometimes if we can just stop at the, rec- the uh, incarnation, Jesus died on the cross, our prayers can be a bit transactional. But if we can think that God wants to be intimate with you, he wants to call you friends. That means we don't just shout. Our prayers aren't just about shouting out to God who's out there. It's about actually opening up our lives and stepping into that intimate space with God. And that is the invitation for us, that we can be close to God. Because I've no longer called you servants. What does a servant do? Yes, master. No, master. What do you need, master? It's not an intimate relationship, but I have called you friends. So prayer is friendship with God. It's the place of friendship with God. So I want you to think about some of your friendships right now, and you can talk to your partner about it. What makes a good friendship? What makes you breed intimacy with your friends? So have a wee quick two-minute chat, and then I'm going to get some feedback from you well. Tell me what makes a good friend. Right. Tell me where you're at. Raise your hand in the air. What makes a good friendship? Yes. Cooperation. Oh, good word. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Anything else? Honesty. Ooh. That's true. Can't have a good friendship without a basis of honesty. That's true. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. Humor. To laugh. Yeah. Laugh. How many of us feel like our relationship with God have a lot of laughter? Mine doesn't always. I can be quite intense. I'm like, Jesus, I need to tell you all the things I need to tell you about right now. And there's not often a lot of laughter. But it's important. So maybe prayer should have a lot of laughter in sometimes. Anyone else from the back rows? Sorry, who said that? Respect. Yeah. Yeah. Mutual respect. Seeing each other. Valuing each other. Honoring each other. Anything else? Oh, two more. So, somewhere over here. Trust, yep. Trust, yep. And in this sort of, in this sort of area, I don't really know where I'm pointing, but somewhere over this side. Communication. No, no one has said communication. And that is a very interesting point. Of all the things you guys have said, or what makes a good friendship, the last one was communication. I was to say, 
how we relate to prayer, what's our primary mode of relating to prayer often? Often it's communication. It's the things we say with our, with our words. So if our invitation is not to just be a servant, but to be a friend, <laughs> to be invited into that intimate space, not just be like close, but like, I want to be next to you. I want to be really close to you. I want to understand. I want to be real with you. I want to have honesty and trust and respect and communication. We want to build all that. How does that change how we relate to God in prayer if we see the invitation to intimacy more than just a transactional thing that we do? Do we understand God's invitation through prayer? Do we fully get that? In reply to the uh, Pharisees, when the Pharisees are kind of grilling Jesus, trying to trip him up in Matthew and say, well, you know, he's going to say something wrong here. They ask him, oh, well, what's the greatest commandment then, Jesus? You tell us. And in Matthew 22, verse 37, he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We probably know that verse. Yeah, you guys know that verse? Probably. And to love your neighbor as yourself is the next bit. And everything, this is me paraphrasing now, everything hangs on those two things. So God exists in love. Fundamentally, he is love. He sees us and says, you are good when he created the world. He exists in that loving space. And the way of intimacy is to love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind. I wonder whether how we relate to God sometimes gets stuck in our minds things we can comprehend, things we can understand, the things we see in the world that we go, that's not okay, and I'm going to pray to God that you do something about that. I wonder how much of our prayer sometimes stays in this, but there's an invitation here that Jesus says, into your heart and your soul. I want a relationship with you to be about the usness, the meanness, the things that make us us, which aren't always words that we have in our minds. I'm married to a lovely man called Peter Thompson, and I have two children and a dog. Um, and I love my children, and we talk loads. We have lots of conversation. I'm sure you guys, if you think about the relationships you have, your mom, your dad, your friends, you probably talk lots. You probably do. <laughs> you share life with them. But my children don't just know their love through the things I say to them. It doesn't build intimacy with my children by just telling them, I love you, Micah. I love you, Sarah. It's part of it. But the other part is when they crawl up onto my lap and we just sit in silence or we go for a walk in the woods and I watch them pick up random flowers and be amazed at what they're finding in the leaves or a snail. Intimacy and love with my children is found in the meanness, in the usness of life, in the conversation and the being. What would happen if our prayers started to be like that? An invitation. Pippa talked a little bit about inviting God into our hearts yesterday. What if our lives became, oh, wow, that is raining. What if our lives became the place that we started to open up an intimate space with God? What would that change about prayer? So, are you guys coming in? No, no, okay. Just want to shelter from the rain. That's okay. Um, intimacy is more than conversation. You are invited into an intimate relationship with God. So how do we pray like that? How do we like live a life 
a prayer that does that, that isn't just about, Jesus, do something. This is really hard. Ah, or, okay, here's my little checklist of things I need to get through to say, dear God, I need you to sort out my exams. My friendship's really hard. My mom's doing my head in. Tick, tick, tick. How do we get from that understanding of prayer to one that's like living, breathing Jesus, come and be in every space of my life? I don't, I don't think it happens overnight, but I think what it does do is take prayer from being something we do to something that is saturated in who we are. And that's the goal. The invitation is to a saturated life of prayer, not just a prayer that you do. So how? How do we do that? (laughs) All great in theory, how do we do that? And I think for all of us, that will look real, really different. There's a guy called David, I want to get his second name wrong, Shkinosh, Kinosh, Shkinosh, can't actually pronounce his surname, but David something, he's a Scottish guy. Ooh, ooh. Um, he's a Scottish guy and he did some research a few years ago. I'm going to shout really loudly because it's raining. Um, he did some research a few years ago about spiritual styles. And in his research, he basically concluded that there are four ways that children slash anyone can connect with God. So I want, as I'm reading these, I want you to think about yourself. You might be going, oh, that, that's like, I, that's me. That's me, I get that. That's who I am. So the first one that he said, the first style that people can connect with God, the usness, the meanness, the things that make us us, where God is out there, is through words. So if you're a words person, you have a preference on words. Surprise, surprise. So the Bible, you might read the Bible and just like feel alive. Or poetry, you're like, oh man, that's like speaking to my being. I feel like I'm able to talk to God freely. Or journaling, or um, you might go and hear someone do spoken word or rap, and you're just like, this, this is this, this is speaking my language. So if you're a words person, if you connect with God and with people with words, you are your spiritual style would be words. The second spiritual style he said was emotion. So if you're an emotions person, you feel stuff. You're a deeply feeling person. And so you might find God or communicate with God through um, dance or music or like art that's out on the walls. You kind of express yourself through the emotions. When you go somewhere, you just feel, this just feels a bit off today. But you're, anyone ever been to a space and been like, mm, nah, something, something's not right here. Or you've come out away from a conversation being like, don't know, like we had a conversation, but what I feel inside is different to what the conversation was. Ever anyone have had that? Maybe you're a bit of a, a feelings, emotion. Maybe you connect through emotions. The third one uh, is symbols. You relate to God through kind of symbols, through the mysticism, through um, stained glass windows, through walks in nature where you just look up at the sky and think, ah. Oh, there's something about this, the mystery of God, the wowness. My husband is an ultra runner, which means he runs like 100K, which is really far in the mountains. But he runs 100K in the mountains. He comes back and he's like, oh, God is so good. And like, I just feel so alive. If I did like 5K, I'd be like, oh, on my road. But for him, because he's a bit more of a mystic, he finds God in these like symbols and in, in nature, in, in like, the unknown, he finds God. So if you're sitting here today thinking, I quite like being outside in nature, or I love like walking around churches and seeing stained glass windows or images or symbols or the Eucharist, that like symbolic mysticism, 
That really, that really speaks to me. Maybe you're a symbols person. And the last one is an action. If you're an action person, you might find God in your being. You really care when things like injustice. So rather than just be like, yeah, God, I care about injustice. You're like, no, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to be at the front lines. I'm going to change the way I eat. I'm not going to eat meat anymore because it's a climate issue. Or I'm not going to shop in Primark or whatever it might be. If you're a justice person, sorry, if you're an action person, your spirituality is felt in how you do stuff, how you live your life, the choices that you make. You might be one of those things. The reality is you're probably listening to some of those and go, yeah, I'm a bit of like symbols maybe and like some emotion stuff there. And you might be all of them. <laughs> That's all okay. It's not right or wrong. But I introduced that idea to say <laughs> that how you can pray, connect with God in the usness, in the meanness, in the who you are, isn't just through words said on a piece of paper or out to God from afar, but it's in your very being. It's in the things that really do something in your soul. It's not an extra. Actually, the key to unlocking a life of prayer isn't necessarily adding extras to your life, but about opening the thing that's already there and realizing God meets you in that place. Christ in me, the hope of glory, sits in each one of you. And he made you, right? Yes, he made you, yeah? He knows the numbers on your head. He made you. He made you the person who gets really excited when he sees a butterfly flying around or goes for a run and like loves it. Even when everyone else is like, I can't imagine ever doing that. That sounds like awful to me. Like God made you. So why should your prayer life be something that feels other to you? Surely, surely the God who made the universe, who made you in the very way you made you says, in all this, this symbols, this emotion, this feeling, the fact that you just want to put music on, Liam, who's here, said he put music on, and that's his place. Like, when I put music on, I can connect, I can get my work done, I can connect with God. Surely there's a place to do that. And, and the key to unlocking that in prayer is by going, okay, God, this, I'm aware. That invitation Pippa was talking about, I'm aware. I'm aware of you. I am letting you into all those spaces of my life. So what we're going to do here is draw a wee diagram to help us think about, so, okay, for my life then, what makes me me? What is the meanness of my life? What makes up me? What is my mind, my heart, and my soul look like? And how do I love God in that space? So you've got a piece of paper or in your notebooks or wherever, wherever you've got. I want you to draw three circles, but they overlap in the middle. You know, like, I, can't, I haven't got a picture. I should have drawn it. To be fair, that was a bit schoolboy of me. But do you know what I mean? Maybe someone could draw it and then hand it if people are confused. But three pictures. One, two, three. Where they overlap kind of in the middle. Yeah, if you've not got paper, come get one. And in one circle, I want you to write me. You're going to write in these, so you can write it on top or underneath or in the middle. I want you to write the words me. In the second circle, I want you to write the words express. Express yourself. And in the third circle, I want you to write the words connect. Okay? And if, when, you, when you've done that, if you can just look up at me and then I know we're all, we're all in it together. We're all at the same, same speed here. Three circles. Anyone drawn it? Can I just... 
So hopefully it looks like this. Three that interlap. You're going to do some writing in them, so or around them, but three like that. And then one of them, you're going to write me. Another one, you're going to write connect. And another one, you're going to write express. Express yourself, okay? Right, and everyone just look up at me and smile when you're ready. So then I know you're, now you're good to go. So, in your circle that says me, I want you to write down all the things that make you, you. And I don't mean I have blue eyes and a cat called Billy and a best friend called Francis. I want you to write down the things that make you, you. I really care about the world or I... Um, love to eat chocolate. It's my favorite food. <laughs> or I love my family. I like to watch movies of cats. I deeply feel things or I find myself very emotional. Or, I don't know, whatever it might be. Write down the things in the me that make you, you. The things that maybe you're like, oh, this is such an annoying part of me. Like I have a real bad habit of overchecking everyone's grammar, whatever it might be. Like do all the things that make you, you. In the second circle, and the one that says express, I want you to think about the way you express yourself. And that might be learning style, some of that, whether you're a visual, a kinetic, whether you listen or whether you write or draw. It might be some of that stuff around spiritual style, so words, symbol, emotion, uh, action. How do you get the stuff that you carry in your heart out? And maybe for some of you are like, I actually, I actually don't know that. That, that's, that's also okay. You can write down the things, how you express yourself, painting, dancing, music, I don't know, what some of the things that you express yourself. And then the third one, that says connect, I want you to think about the ways you connect with God, but also with others or yourself. Where are the places that you go to for walks, dancing, art, what are the places you go to to connect? What helps you connect with God? Music. For me, worship's a really big part of how I can connect. Putting music on, there's something about music that helps me connect more than um, like necessarily reading the Bible. But if I put music on, it helps me connect. So what are the places that help you connect with God? But also, actually, I just feel really alive when I'm with my friends. I know that I need people. So that's like a place that I can connect. That's valid. <laughs> Or I feel really alive when I'm swimming or having that 10 minutes in the shower. Just something about being in the shower and the rain washing over my head feels feel alive. The places that we feel alive and connect. And I hope, and I'm sure this is the case, but they won't necessarily stay in isolated circles. There'll be an overlap here. So the places you connect might actually be how you express yourself. Yeah? Hello, football. Um, or the things that make you you, like I really care about injustice actually you might be the place that you connect or express yourself. The hope is, as you draw these circles, and maybe not right now, but if you go home and reflect on it, you'll be able to see there's some things in these three circles that exist in all those spaces. I want to argue that the key to unlocking a life of prayer, the key to answering that question is, is prayer where the action is found where they overlap? is found in that space of overlap. We're able to express who we are, the meanness of me, and connect with God in a way that makes sense to me, that helps me feel alive, that that 
is the invitation to prayer in its fullness. That's the invitation God wants to take your everyday, ordinary lives and offer them up before God. Romans 12. That's what he wants us to do. So you've written down a load of things here that make you you. (laughs) Places that you go, things that make you feel alive. I have had a really hard few months. If anyone knows me, or there's people in the room that have probably just sat with me a lot while I've cried (laughs) quite a lot. And I might cry now, if I'm honest with you, because it's been a pretty rough rough ride. I'm not going to lie to you. And my mind has been like, anyone ever had brain fog? Yeah, it's awful. Like, I've had brain fog for about four months. (laughs) Um, My mind, I haven't been able to love God with my mind in this time. But in... The failure of my mind, I have found God in my being in ways that I didn't really imagine. People have asked me, Emma, how have you prayed? How are you praying through this? They say that. Everyone said that to you? How are you praying about the situation? Anyone ever had that question asked? I'm like, I can't. (laughs) I I don't know how. With my mind, I I don't know how to engage in this because it's just awful. But in my soul... In my heart, I have found Jesus. I have known that he is with me. Most of the time, that's it, like just saying, God, today, here, nah, this is, this is where I'm at. It's an invitation into that space. Sometimes it's tears on the floor. Or actually, I've got to put music on. Or in the slowness, for me, it's when I'm washing up. Weird, I know. But that washing up, the, like that time to slowly wash stuff away, helps me slow down, clean out, the stuff physically from the plates, but also from my heart. And as we start to say, God, I'm inviting you into all parts of my life. I'm not just going to add extra bits on, but with the things I'm already doing, it does something. It does something in us. Our lives become soaked in the presence of God in a way that actually prayer no longer becomes something I'm doing, but something that I am being. <laughs> something that I'm like, I would say, this is my analogy for you. <sighs> That we get to rest in God, that intimacy. God is love. He wants us to love him with, his, with our minds, our hearts, and our souls. He, wants an, he doesn't just want to deal with us sin. He's done that. He wants to talk to us about that. But he wants to know you. He wants to laugh with you. He wants to cry with you. He wants to know the intimate space with you. And I think a nice way to understand this, because what I'm not saying is never pray with your mouth and never intercede and never say the big prayers like, Jesus, change the face of this nation because we need that. Like Jesus says, pray for your leaders. Pray for those in power. Pray for healing. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, pray to the Spirit on all occasions in all kinds of ways. He wants us to pray with our mouths. But he wants us more than all that. So imagine that there's a river, right? If you can bear with me, this might, if you're not really like a kind of creative person, you're like, don't get this, but just bear with me. So there's a river and that river is the love of God, right? It's vast, it's big, it's beautiful. And prayer can be one of two things, I think. And this is not my analogy, so I'm not claiming it. It's a guy called Strahan Coleman, beholding. That's where it comes from. But it's a great analogy. So the river is God's love. And we can engage in prayer like a canoe on a river. So anyone ever been canoeing or kayaking? Anyone? It's quite hard work, isn't it? Like, you've got to like, get your arms in. It's all about motion. You're going upstream. It's even harder. Sometimes prayer can be a bit like work. 
You know, you're putting your oars in, you're asking God to do something. You're almost saying, God, I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm partnering with you. And other times I feel like saying, God, you've got to do something. <laughs> this feels like hard work, yeah? That's the doing kind of prayer. When we're in the canoe, we're on the river, we're like, yes, God, riding the waves. I'm in this. Let's talk about it. This is the state of my life, the world, the things I'm feeling. Let's have a chat. But there's another part of prayer that involves us jumping out of the canoe into that river of love and learning how to float. So if anyone's ever tried to float in water, it's not just, don't just like jump in and you're like, right, I'm floating now. Because <laughs> if you splash around, you end up like trying to drown. But if you learn to like lie back, be a starfish, breathe in, let the water wash over you, you start to become aware of how the water feels. Of what's happening in the sky and the trees. Start to get a different perspective when you float and you're not trying to persuade the water to do something you want it to do. You get a different perspective. That's the being kind of prayer. Where we jump into the water and we're learning how to float with God. We're learning how to give him. Take it all. Enfold me in your arms, Jesus. I really need it. They're both prayer and they're both essential. They're both vital parts of what a life with God, an intimate life with God, looks like. And actually, we're invited into a holy friendship through them. Not just negotiations. <laughs> Not just like pleading with God to do something. Not just doing prayer because it's what we're told we have to do. I used to do it at the end of the day. Anyone ever remember? You're probably too young for this, actually. But we used to do a thing called teaspoon prayers. Thank you, sorry, please, like teaspoons. And every night I would have gone to bed and gone, thank you, God, for this. Sorry about this. Please, would you do this? And that was my narrative of prayer. And it's not wrong. It got me to today. It's important. But it's more than that. Like, holy friendship with Jesus. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we're looking for. So, to finish, to conclude, hopefully you're all still with me. I hope. And understanding this analogy that we're rolling with. So to conclude, what I want us to do, we've got a wee card there. This is something I want you to take away with you. Um, is we're going to think about, okay, so what does that then look like for me when I go home on Tuesday? How do I learn how to canoe? Which, if I, I, that's the bit I, I know how to do that bit well. <laughs> I can canoe with God pretty well sometimes. Sometimes not, but like I know, I know the intercession. I know the things I need to ask of him. I know I need to say sorry. I know that stuff. But how do we learn how to float? What are the things we need to do or just become aware of and reposture ourselves in, to say God be in these places, that help us float in prayer along that river of love that is with Jesus? So what I want you to do, think about your everyday life. I don't know what you get up to in the day-to-day -day life. I don't know the things you put on your piece of paper about the things that make you you, but think about your everyday life, the things that you get up to. What would it mean to accept, bring, ask God into those spaces? So maybe that's going for a walk with your dog or in your anxiety of school, not feeling like you know what to do, just saying, ah, God, I know you're with me. Maybe it's your five minutes in the shower. How do we love God with our minds, with our hearts, and with our souls in this season? So I want you to write two columns, and you can decide to call them doing prayer and being prayer, or canoeing and floating, whatever whatever floats your boat. No one laughed. That's really awkward. But 
you can either call it praying and doing or being, sorry, praying, doing and being or canoeing and floating. So canoeing might be something that you want to add into your life through some of the things you've said about how you express yourself. So that might be for me, actually, God, I realized that if I can put 10 minutes of worship on every day, that's helping me center my soul around you. That might be, actually, I, I need to journal. Maybe I should start journaling because that really helps me get this stuff out. For some of you, maybe that's going for a walk, deciding, actually, I'm going to go for a walk here. And I'm going to make that walk my prayer to God to help me slow down and ground my thoughts. Or if you're an artist, saying, actually, I'm going to commit to actually creating more and just saying, no agenda, God, I'm just going to create what's on my heart into something. So your doing are going to be maybe one or two things you think going forward from this place I'm going to learn how to canoe in a way that makes sense to me a bit better this year. Through whatever that might be. And on the being side, this is more thinking about the things that you already do. The person that you already are. What would it mean to bring God into that space? So as I said, for me, it's like washing up. It's like when I'm doing the washing up, that's something I just do every day because I don't have a dishwasher. Nightmare. I do that every day, and that has become this, like, actually, I'm bringing God into that space. Or, actually, before you're lying in bed, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you don't have words, God, I'm just, before I go in bed, I'm just going to be still in silence. Here, yeah, just going to be still in silence. I do this every day, I go to bed, it's what I have to do, but I'm going to reposition how I see this time. I don't know what those things are for you, but consider a couple of things in each of those columns. How am I going to canoe better? In, in the next few months, and how am I going to learn to float a bit better? To be with God a bit better. I'm just going to close by reading Romans 12. If my phone doesn't die of battery, because I've just realized it's pretty close. <laughs> um, because I think in all this, we have been called friends. We have been invited into an intimate friendship with the maker of the universe. An intimate friendship which actually sees and made you <laughs> in all that you are, correct and all. There is an invitation to a life of prayer with Jesus. And the byproduct of that is this Romans 12. So I'm going to read their message version because it's a bit of a paraphrase, but I think it communicates what the heart of, of what being and doing prayer is. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Embracing your you-ness, your me-ness, in canoeing and floating is the best thing you can do. Because the invitation is to intimacy over dialogue. It's to friendship over conversation. To a life that knows when they need to canoe, and when you need to float. And when we discover that life, 
we accept that invitation and start to live it, slowly learning what it means to canoe and float with God, prayer will never be something you just do again. It's not going to be something you do. It's going to be who you are. It's going to be a life saturated in prayer that seeps out of every part of your life and cannot help it. So that naturally, when you walk, when you go about your everyday life, you become more aware of God's presence. You become kinder. You become, you bear the fruits of the Spirit because you are in that intimate place with God. You set to understand who he is more, notice him a bit more. And you start to really love the person that you are with him and the gifts that he has given you. And the way that you pray becomes something incredibly beautiful. So today, I hope that's been helpful to help you think about what is a life saturated in prayer that unlocks the stuff that's already inside each one of us, Christ in me, the hope of glory, to a life of intimacy with the maker of the universe. So if anyone's got any questions or wants to have a conversation, I'm really up for chatting. Um, but please do take those things away. Talk to your youth workers about that more if you've got other questions. Because there are some practical things that you can do here. There's also some invitational things that we can do. So I'm going to close just by praying for us. I'm going to do a bit of canoeing uh, over us all, over your time here, uh, over the next kind of couple more days. That actually in this time you would know what it means to be. That you would know the you-ness, the things that make you you, are the keys. <laughs> They're the keys to a life with Jesus that is intimate and beautiful. So Father God, Holy Spirit, I really thank you that you really want to be with us. That you really want to know us. <laughs> beyond just the conversation that we have in prayer. You want to laugh with us. You want to cry with us. And you want us to know you. To know the things that make you laugh and cry. God, and I pray for each person in this room and at this festival that you would help us become more aware of you in us of Christ in me, the hope of glory, that the things that make us us would shine out beautifully and you would teach us all what our prayer language is that equips us to a life saturated, absolutely saturated in you. The prayer cannot help but ooze out from every part of our being. The prayer becomes something that flows from who we are and not just something that we do. Equip us, Jesus. We need your help. Equip your church. Thank you that we have prayer. The prayer is the meeting ground between us and you. And go before us. Go deep inside us. And teach us how to pray. Today. Amen. Thank you very much. You may leave.